and welcome back to the Grindhouse Girls podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Katie. My co-host is Brittany, and this is a podcast about many strange and spooky movies. We cover a lot of independent movies and a lot of horror movies, and we do want to caution before starting the podcast that listener discretion is advised, and a lot of subject matter we cover is not appropriate for children and can be quite sensitive. So if that sounds like something that's up your alley, keep on listening. If not, thanks for stopping by and on to the podcast. Hello there, this is Katie. Hi there, and this is Brittany. And this is the Grindhouse Girls podcast, episode 68. 68? 68, yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's hard to believe. 68 episodes, and um, just right off the bat, we are doing Candyman, guys, and of course we are talking about the 2021 film um, that is Mm -hmm. currently, as of September 1st, streaming in movie theaters, so um, you guys should ask up and see this one. Um, I did want to say, right off the bat, Katie knows this too, a big uh, congratulations to Candyland's director, Nia DaCosta, who is the first black female director to debut number one at the U.S. box office. So congratulations, yeah. Nia. That is awesome. It's pretty freaking cool. It really mm-hmm. is. So, Brittany, how have you been this week? I'm okay. Um, nothing nothing too, too crazy going on. I'm just work and home and watching movies and hanging out with dogs and cats and what about you katie how have you been i'm good i um was drugged into doing fantasy football again i'm terrible at it um but i have a fantasy football team again i did that last night um yeah and yeah other than going and seeing well our friend steph that was on the podcast uh two weeks ago uh, she had her birthday extravaganza this weekend, this past weekend. Yes. So we went out and about. And it's that her birthday fun. today. We went, yeah. yeah. Happy, happy birthday. birthday, Steph. Yes. Yeah. yeah, other than that, I've just been doing nothing but hanging out with my dog. You know, it's all good. Being, a, I yeah. made a pumpkin spice latte today. Nice. Highly recommend. It is the getting to the spooky season. I feel like it's already spooky season. But oh yeah, you know, gotta take it one step at a time. Um, but I can't wait. I think I'm gonna get my Halloween decorations out this weekend. <laughs> nice. Happy Labor Day! <laughs> I'm gonna Yay. get my Halloween. But I can't wait for fall. Uh, did you have any housekeeping, Britt? I I did not. I did not. Did you have any housekeeping? The only thing I want to say was we were uh, so. Obviously, something was going on with Candyman on Prime, the old movie, because they were saying they had the new movie's logo on the old movie's rent um, profile. Um, So, no, the new movie is not yet available to stream online. It's only in theaters right now. So, I went to be for sure correcting that, because I was like, I think it's on there, or it's not. Um, but also I want to let people know that the old Candyman, if you want to refresh yourself, is streaming on Peacock for free. So if you have the free Peacock app, you can get it on there, um, which is how I watched it. And it seems to be the unedited regular version. So, um, I was pleasantly surprised that I could still watch it because I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to find it for free and just watch it because I didn't really feel like... (laughs) 
I've seen it before, so I was like, I don't really want to rent it if I don't have to. Um, yeah. So, you know, we'll qu- quickly go over Candyman when we get to the movie part, but um, we won't go too far into it. Just, you know, more compare and contrast it. Because it was in 1992. I think most people have probably seen the original by this point, right? Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. If not, it's on Peacock. Um, did you watch anything fun this week? Other than the movie we saw together? I I really did not. Um, to be honest, uh, I, hopefully this is going to be my week. I kind of get maybe back into the swing of watching things. Um, I recently got a new job and it's wonderful, but I am waking up a little bit earlier. So I am having a harder time just like actively engaging watching something so yeah. i'm still in this week of like shorter things so we have um continue watching like our little king of the hill show that uh we watch king of the hill usually like show. an episode before we go to bed yeah it's a good one um we i did watch the new episode of what if um so episode three of what if which is on disney plus and it, it was good i like the first two episodes better but this episode was still enjoyable um, and then we, of course, watched the uh, first two episodes of the newest season of American Horror Story, which is season 10. Me too! Um, yeah, double feature. So I did. Yeah. I watched both of them. I honestly really like this season so far. Yeah, it's I different. Find, do you, how do you feel? Yeah, I, okay, so I kind of, you know, I'm surprised know. at how, I'm surprised at how amazing um, actually Finn Wickock or Rick Rock and... Wintrick, Wintrick. Wintrick, Wintrick, which, okay. Who is the other American Horror Story actress, the blonde? She's played, like, Misty and Coven, and she was in the first oh, season. Oh, um, shit. I'm looking it up, because she's, she, her, we I always forget to mention her name every time I talk about her, and she's Lily Robb. Love Daily her. Daily Rob. She's Yeah, they have really good casting. chemistry. They have good chemistry, surprisingly. We've never seen Wittrock. this pair Wittrock, before. Yeah. 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 Never, and yeah, honestly, Lily Rob yeah. usually gets really, like, depressing, lonely roles. Like, she was the, you know, spoilers for the first few seasons. But she was, well, no, wasn't she the possessed nun in Asylum? That was kind of a cool She was. Yeah, she was. Her. But then, like, first season, she was... Uh, the, the the housewife the with the baby, the original yeah, owner she lost of the house. The baby. Yeah. Yes, and then she was M- Misty, Misty, right? Yeah, Misty in Day. Season three. Yeah, Misty Day. And yeah. she was kind of like, which I liked Misty, but like I felt like she was just kind of off on her own for a lot of that season. Mm-hmm. So I feel like even though she was cool, I feel like this. I'm like I'm glad she's kind of like the lead lead. I like I like Sarah Paulson when she's like over the edge. Like, there's something just great about... I love oh. her in everything, but I love when and she does, to, like, crazy shit. And we have to mention the scene stiller for this season so far, who is Macaulay Culkin. So... He's my... I think that's why I'm so happy, because, okay, I've said I like Red Letter Media. I watch a lot of their stuff, and Macaulay Culkin has been guest starring on a lot of their episodes. He's in, like, six episodes in the last couple years. And it was just kind of out of nowhere, like, they just randomly had Macaulay Culkin, and then they went on his podcast and stuff. So, like, I watched Macaulay Culkin as a child, as I'm sure you did, Britt, as most oh, of yeah. us millennials did. Um, and he's, I mean, I'm not gonna lie, he, he's, like, he's just got a, a weird sense of humor, and he's kind of a weird, goofy guy now. And I love that he's playing, like, a total creeper. Like, he's, like, this, this like, kind of creepy, um 
meth addict, I guess. He, yeah. But he, like, he's wearing, like, this sleazy, open-chest outfit, and he, he propositions Finn with Trick's character, like, in the first scene you see with him. And I was like, of course Macaulay Culkin's playing a creep. Because Macaulay yeah. Culkin has that child actor face that he kind of grew in to look creepy if he wants to. Not that he looks creepy, but, like, yeah. you grow his hair out a little bit, slick it back, he looks like a total creep. Um, I think uh, Haley Joel Osment's, like, the same way. His character on The Boys was just, oh, yeah. like, super gross. Um, I don't think he is a creeper, but he just plays a really good creepy guy. And you can tell he's loving it. He's yeah. loving it. Also, how good does he look for being 41 years old? I know! And he just had a baby, by the way, with Brenda Strong from yeah. Sweet Life, Life of Zack and Cody. Yeah. He, or Song, Song, Isn't right? That, Her last song, Brenda Song. Is it Song or Strong? I don't remember. I think it's Song. Maybe it's Song. Yeah. It might be Song. Yeah. Um, yeah. She was also in a really bad Netflix movie, but she didn't really do a bad job. It was just like this, the plot was really messed up, but she was good. Mm. Um, but I was like, I didn't even know they were dating. They were like, Macaulay Culkin and Brenda Song just had a baby. I was like, oh, it's like the baby of the babies, the baby actors. Um, yeah. Also, Adina Porter, who was in uh, True Blood. She played Letty May in True Blood, and she was also in an earlier season. She was in Roanoke. Um, she's in this season and I love her. And Frances Conroy gets a really big part. Oh, and yeah. Billy Lord's back. And Evan Peters is in as always. Um, he actually wasn't actually. So I have to say this a little fact. So him and Sarah Paulson weren't in 1984. That was the first and only season they haven't been in. Yeah. Which is funny. Cause I love 1984 and I was actually scared because they weren't in it, but I ended up thoroughly enjoying it. So yeah, I watched half of, 1984 and i liked it um but i haven't mm-hmm. finished it um mm-hmm. but i feel like i'm gonna try to keep up with it this time around because that's my problem is i don't i wait until it's done and then i get like overwhelmed and don't finish it so i feel like if i watch it when it comes out weekly maybe i'll actually finish it plus this is a yeah. double feature so mm-hmm. it's gonna finish this story and then there's gonna be a different story uh i assume they're somehow linked or is the other story gonna be the the writer's movie that he's writing I don't oh know. that'd be cool that'd be cool i like that idea I, d- I do know all the posters are like of the vampire men and the and the alien making out so i'm like i don't really yeah. know but i could see i like me. the I vampires by the way yeah like the They're the, like twitchy. the the creepy ones they all look like nosferatu yeah, they're they're technically yeah. like as shrunk out, but like they move kind of jerky. It's really cool. Yeah. Um. So I watched that, and I finally watched Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. Um, I loved it. Um. Realized afterwards that I had totally skipped a second Thor movie, but it was really good, and I thought it was really funny. It was very comedic, right off the bat, but not like overly comedic i guess like it was just funny i knew um, i knew it was gonna be good as soon as they opened with the immigrant song i was like this is just a perfect choice it was, like- pretty good. <laughs> it was good uh and then i watched uh, a netflix movie that i've heard about and i meant to watch last year when it came out and didn't called the ritual have you seen it yet i heard about the ritual i heard good things about it it was good um it was interesting the there I won't say what the twist was, but there's, like, a little bit of a, like, uh, what the scary thing ends up being was, uh, interesting. They showed just enough of what was happening for it to be scary without being silly. So they did a good job handling, like, what happens 
towards the end could have been really silly if it was directed badly, but because the director was competent, um, it actually ended up being still pretty scary. Like, it didn't get silly. I recommend it's on Netflix. And then the only other thing I started watching, which I would mentioned this week's ago, but um, Only Murders in the Building is on oh, Hulu. Yeah. I really like it. It's Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Selena Gomez, who actually does a really good job. Um, it's great if you like true crime, because basically all three of them live in this apartment building in New York City. But the only thing that they have in common is they all like to listen to the same true crime podcasts. So they become friends that way. And then when a murder happens in their building, they decide to make their own podcast about it. So they're trying to like solve the murder mystery. But they're keeping stuff from each other too, which I like. Anyways, yeah. it's good. It's on Hulu. I recommend um, if you want to watch something that's got some true crime, murder mystery-ish stuff, but it's not super, it's not super dark. There's a lot of comedy. Awesome. Um, but yeah, that's what I've been watching. Silly question. Is Selena Gomez's character named Mabel? Uh, yes. Her name is Mabel. Ah, yes. Okay. So we've got a couple. I think Only Murders in the Building has got a new episode every week. Um, first three episodes were on Hulu when I started watching it. And then same thing with American Horror Story Season 10. So we got stuff to watch. And then there's a couple more like creepy movies coming out in October. There's like Antlers and Last yes. Night in Soho. Oh, that and reminds me. I did, read the sh- I did read the short story that Antlers was based on because it is online for free. Oh, cool. Because it was published <gasps> Ooh, in like a magazine. Yeah. So. Oh, perfect. Yeah, for our friends who are interested, just very quickly, um, The Quiet Boy is what Antlers is based on, and it's on Gornica, GornicaMag.com, for those who do want to read it, because it is a short story, and it's a short read. So, but yes. as Katie was saying, Speaking movies of. that got delayed to, because uh, of COVID, much like the one mm-hmm. we're doing this week. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the Candyman, which is also based on a book, a short story, actually, um, mm-hmm. by Clive Barker, called The Forbidden, which I did listen to part of it in preparation and i don't know about you Britt, but Candyman was always something that was in my childhood we would always dare each other to say Candyman and bloody mary in the mirror um i don't know do kids still do that now i mean it was a big thing in the 90s but we didn't have cell phones so yeah i don't know <laughs> like that's the thing i'm like do, do kids find themselves so bored that they want to call on a menacing entity from the mirror nowadays it is very funny yeah. to do it. I mean, I don't think anyone actually said it five times. Yeah, my mom doesn't let me have Ouija boards, so. Or, yeah. I mean, I'm an adult now, but when I was a kid, I was not allowed to have Ouija boards. Oh, yeah. Mostly because of The Exorcist. Yeah, we, um, we, my family believes in ghosts, so we don't fuck around with things that can potentially bring ghosts. Um, so yeah, we right. were not saying, um, <laughs> the C word in the mirror, and we were not doing no. a bloody, we were not doing the B word, the BM word in the mirror either. Um, <laughs> the BM. Actually, the BM word. Um, but I actually, uh, I saw Candyman for the first time years ago when I was a literal child, and honestly, I oh, no. forgot everything in the movie just about that wasn't Candyman, um, because he is such a, so what, I'm just gonna say, uh, um, come out. He's a menacing so, presence. Um, Tony Todd and Virginia Tony Todd. Martin are just both absolutely Madsen. gorgeous. Too. Madsen, yes, I meant Madsen, mm-hmm. but they're both absolutely gorgeous too. Um, so they're just very mm-hmm. compelling to watch as soon as they're on screen. But Tony Todd also has this voice that's like honey, and it's like just so gorgeous. <gasps> yes. um, so I mean, that's you know basically he's been in over two hundred movies. 
Yes. Oh my God. Um, he was in the um, remake Crazy of Dawn of the Dead Christ. in 1992. Because mm-hmm. yes, I think he did right. Night of the Living Dead in 1990, and then only did Candyman two years later. And Candyman was a big deal when it came out because there was no real mm-hmm. um, black slasher. Like you know, when you think of slashers, yeah. you think of Jason and Michael and Freddie, and they're mm-hmm. all traditionally white. Um, so it was a and big deal. Yeah. Jordan Peele said in an interview for this movie, the new movie, like he was like, yeah, Candyman was like the black Jason. And it was just nice to have something of ours that we could relate to, which I totally get that. Like, I was like, yeah, I feel the same way about, you know, like female characters, yeah. you know, that have something to do with me. I'm like, cause it is hard to find strong female characters is probably why I like Star Wars so much because Princess Leia is a strong female character and it was hard to find that in a lot of movies. By the way, Bernard Rose wrote and directed it, which he didn't do a ton of other movies that are popular. He wasn't a prolific director, but um, it was very interesting. He did do Immortal Beloved, which I felt was, um, I felt like he got a lot of accolades when it came out initially, but it wasn't a horror movie. It's so interesting that he did a movie like Immortal Beloved, and then he did Candyman, which is such a cult horror film at this point. Yeah, but it's also such a romantic horror movie. It is. Like, it's very romanticized, um, because it, it does feel almost like a romance novel kind of plot. Like, yeah. not really, but, like, uh, the way that uh, Tony Todd's Candyman, um, Daniel, I think is his first name. Daniel, Daniel Robitaille. Um, yeah. Robitaille. Um, he's very romantic towards Virginia Madsen's character, and it's very... So, basically, if you've never seen the original Candyman, um, basically, Virginia Madsen plays a woman named Helen Lyle, and she's married to a man named Trevor, who is a professor and she's a grad student at um i think the university of illinois in chicago and she has a research partner named bernadette played by casey lemons and they are in the movie they're studying urban legends Mm -hmm. and in the book she's studying graffiti so in the book she goes to photograph graffiti in like a poorer side of england um, but the movie takes place in Chicago and they go to Cabrini Green because some of the people that, um, some of the students and some of the, um, staff at the college talk about Candyman and how there was a murder and the main murder that they reference. Now they changed the name a little bit. Um, uh, I think they say Ruthie, some Ruthie something, but, uh, the real person that the urban legend part of the urban legend is based on because part of it's also bloody mary um but there was a woman named ruthie may mccoy which is weird because the main character in Katie in 2021's last name is mccoy as well um she was like a lady who lived in on the south side of chicago and she lived in a housing project that was like in a high rise um but she had had like a history of uh mental health issues but she was kind of like she had just come into some money and she was going to be able to move out and she was kind of making plans to move out and like be in a better situation and she called the police and told them that someone was coming through her bathroom wall to get her 
And they kind of dismissed her because, again, she was, like, a very non-threatening person, but they thought she had had mental health issues, and they just kind of dismissed her. And then her neighbors called, and it took them two days to finally show up at her apartment. And when they finally went into the apartment after days and days of not doing anything, they found that someone had used a hole in the mirrors in between apartments. So basically, the way these apartments worked was... There is, like, um, there's a space between the two walls for the pipes to go through. And they, they just left a hole where the mirror was because it was a medicine cabinet. And so if you take one medicine cabinet off, you can get to the other apartment by knocking the other medicine cabinet out. So basically, people were coming through her walls. And they killed her and ransacked her apartment. And they did try some men for it. But they were all acquitted mostly because mm, the justice system sucks. Yeah, um, and- If you want to know more about it. There's a My Favorite Murder episode. It's episode 266, Rave After Rave, and um, Karen covers the whole case and, like, uh, Ruthie Mae's backstory. And it's very sad. It's not a, it's not a happy story, but um, I think yes. it's important to the backdrop of how people in Cabrini-Green and other housing projects, especially in Chicago, were treated and why that's kind of a backdrop to 1992's movie. But it's more in the forefront of the new movie because i feel like it's more of a class relation thing in uh the old one which it was 1992 was right after the rodney king stuff had happened so obviously like tensions were high and it was starting to come to the forefront of race relations but it's more of a class issue in the 1992 one than a race issue i would say because like bernadette her um, research partner is black but they're both very privileged women they're like you know they're like intellectuals they're both married to older wealthier men they're living in nice areas and then like they meet Anne Marie played by not the Vanessa Williams but another Vanessa Williams there's yeah. two Vanessa Williams not the not the the beauty queen singer Vanessa Williams but the other Vanessa Williams who is an actress um, and she's like a working class mom trying to get raise her kid in these housing projects and trying to do the best she can. And like Helen's kind of like, Oh man, this lady's like working her ass off. And I'm complaining about like being a bored, you know, student or whatever. So, but it's more of class than. Yeah. Race. And, and there is, there is a, there. So know. I did want to touch on, so purposely, um, purposely. Uh, so she is Ruthie May and, in real life so the woman that's murdered in Candyman's Ruffy Jean and then uh, very mm-hmm. purposely Anna Marie had the last name McCoy that was Bernard Rose's way of honoring the real woman yeah. so that's why both of those characters have that name but yeah it is more of a class thing because there was a lot of um, actual feedback when this movie had came out because there was a lot of people that were like why is a white man commenting on these things and he wasn't you're you're exactly right he wasn't coming from a place of race he was coming from a place of class which is like why Bernadette is in the car with Helen and she's like it gives me it scares me to drive past like she's a black woman and she's scared to drive past this area that's filled with other black people um but there is also a very interesting line that really stuck out to me and it probably did you too when you watched it Katie it's Mm -hmm. when um spoiler um but hopefully you guys have seen it Helen's attack 
by the this game member because this was actually filmed in uh, Cabrini yes. Green, like actually filmed. And the way they were able to film it, they were like, yeah. they let the game members be in the movie, um, which is actual yes. factual uh, stuff. But uh, she even says she's like, two black women were murdered and nothing was done, but me as a white woman was attacked and they shut the whole place down. Yes, and there's also a part where. Helen is showing Bernadette her apartment and explaining that her super fancy condo was originally intended to be a housing project and they realized they couldn't cut off this area from the rest of the city like they do with a lot of housing projects, which is a terrible thing. And she starts showing Bernadette the similar features in her condo to the Cabrini Green housing projects. She also has the hole in the mirror, um, in the wall behind the mirror. Mm -hmm. I did want to mention the original article that, um, was, um, that inspired Candyman and the forbidden, like the mirror story, um, that was written about Ruthie May. And that, um, that story came out in 1987 and it was by Steve um, and it was called They Came Through the Bathroom Mirror, A Murder in the Projects. And that's it's a really interesting article, and it is available on chicagoreader.com. Um, if you want, like, an in-depth story about that. Um, but, like, that kind of, that and all the stuff going on with, you know, but all the Rodney King stuff was going on, and it was just tensions were high. But it is more of a class thing, and they do touch on it. And they, but it, it is more about like poor versus privileged than, or I guess underprivileged versus privileged than like a specific race thing. But Jordan Peele has a really good way of like bringing race relations to the forefront. Be honest and be truthful without like screaming at you about it. I don't know if that makes sense. He just has a really, he's very persuasive in how he does it. I don't know how he does it, but he does it. And this new movie isn't totally even about race. It focuses more on the issue of gentrification and how people of color especially are affected by gentrification and this cultural appropriation aspect of, like, popular culture and the art world, which is an interesting viewpoint, I think. But gentrification is a very, I don't know, it's a touchy subject. Because on one hand, you're like, oh, things are getting safer and better. And it's great for, like, people who live in the suburbs. And they're like, oh, like, let's go to this part of town. It's all nice and cleaned up and stuff. But it's like, what happens to the people that have been living there for years when you raise their rents yeah. when they can't afford it? There's, it's, it's a huge yeah. problem nowadays. And there's been a lot of TV shows that have covered it and... Uh, heck, even frickin' South Park did a whole season where they gentrified part of South Park. It's a problem for almost everybody. There are so many people in so much debt just trying to stay afloat of affordable housing anyways. So, um, but yeah, so basically, like, the first movie is about Helen and how she does say the C word five times in the mirror. She doesn't really... in the In the original movie, it's more of, like... Your dismissal of the myth is what brings his vengeance upon you, which makes sense. Um, she doesn't really believe in it. And basically, if you haven't seen it, 
she's framed for a bunch of crimes by the Candyman, and there's no way for her to prove her innocence, and she also, like, keeps blacking out and stuff and not remembering things, and it's because, in a very romanticized version, um, Tony Todd's Candyman uh, was a, a, a black artist who was painting a white, a portrait of a white lady in Chicago, and in like the late 1800s, early 1900s. Yeah, yeah, like 1890. Yeah, yeah, and they fell in love, and her father found out and had like basically a lynch mob uh, attack him, and they cut his hand off, stuck a hook in it, in the stump, and um, had bees sting him to death which is really yeah. gross and disgusting and awful um and well, he helen impregnated yeah yeah he impregnated her he impr- too yeah. and um helen looks a lot like his lover that he died oh loving. yeah so there's it's heavily it's implied loosely. that she might be like the reincarnated version mm-hmm. or maybe yeah. she's a relative or i don't know wouldn't that be weird though if it was secretly like his great 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 granddaughter yeah, no, it's not. Okay, and that's what um, <laughs> Candyman, Candyman 2 and 3 goes into that, actually. Which I've so, seen some scenes from them. I was going to watch them, and then I was like, you yeah. know what? We have enough to talk about with the original. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not scary like the original Candyman yeah. was. Oh, yeah, and that's why I think, like, a lot of people don't really talk about them because they were really unnecessary. But if, like, we want to look continuity-wise, at least Helen's not related to him. But, yeah, I agree. I believe it's heavily implied she's the reincarnation of his lover. Um, But, and I don't know if you want to touch on the ending, because I actually really love the original ending, uh, the original Candyman, so... I do, too. So, in the end, Helen... So, Helen has been framed... For several murders, um, and she's her husband is kind of like moved on really quickly. May have been cheating on her before she got put. In oh jail. yeah, but she gets framed for also the abduction of Anne Marie, this woman that she's befriended. Um, her son Anthony and Anthony, the Candyman, wants to basically sacrifice him. And there's a big neighborhood bonfire, and basically he traps helen and the baby and himself inside the bonfire he's like okay we're all gonna die together we're gonna sacrifice the baby and you're gonna become my lover in death join me in death and she um fights him and gets the baby out of the bonfire crawls like her hair is like singed off burning it's really gross Honestly, like, the makeup's really good in this one. Also, the makeup for Tony Todd is really good with all the bees in his ribcage. He, by the way, got stung over 25 times. And he got it into his contract to get a $1,000 bonus every time he got a bee sting. So he made, like, $20,000 just getting stung by bees. I was like, way to go, Tony Todd. Absolutely. Um, But she basically does return Anthony to Anne-Marie and everyone but then she dies of her injuries in the bonfire and um she has they have her funeral and the whole neighborhood shows up to kind of like honor her and then at the very end she um seeks revenge on her um cheating husband and his um girlfriend who's also a student and she was his student so you know cyclical and what does she say? Like, what do you th- what do you think, Trevor? What are you scared 
scared of something Trevor and she just like yeah murders the shit out of him um but so Helen makes a sacrifice to yeah. save oh. Anthony I also love because the last shot of the movie is we see because we see Merle's of the Candyman um, throughout Cabrini. Oh yeah, um, he's, it's almost like it's almost like a church, like almost dedicated to him mm-hmm. by the residents. And we see Helen on this Merle with her hair mm-hmm. brace, which is she becomes an urban legend, which is kind of cool because she literally becomes the thing she was studying. Yes, um, yeah, and I which really comes to like play in the idea. new movie, which I thought mm-hmm. was interesting, but yeah. I yeah. we highly recommend the first one, and I think yeah we can pretty much get into the new one now, right? Absolutely, yeah. Okay, um, and I can help. I can give a quick rundown of like some things, and I'll let Katie give a quick rundown Absolutely. of some of the actors before we dive right in. So um, this was directed by Nia Da Costa, uh, who also co-wrote the film. She's one of the three co-writers for this movie. Um, she wrote and directed her debut, Little Woods, that came out in 2019. Um, she will also, so this is her second movie, she will also be directing the upcoming The Marvels film that is set for release on 11-11-22. When she directs that movie, as she's directing right now, she's going to be the youngest filmmaker to ever direct a Marvel film. Um, which yeah. is pretty fucking wicked. It's cool. Like, it's her third movie and she's getting to direct a Marvel franchise film. That's well, awesome. She um, seems like a very strong director that knows her voice. And she said that... You know, the interesting thing about this film was, like, yeah, Jordan Peele kind of came up with the idea, but he specifically did not want to just do another Get Out. He wanted to do something different and give her her own voice. So, really, a lot of hers in this film. Um, Of course, we'll touch on... Yeah, we'll touch on the other two director, uh, two directors, two writers, which is mm-hmm. Jordan Pill, who you'll hear us talk a lot about on the podcast. He's kind of modern um, yeah. for royalty at this point. Um, but of course, he also wrote and directed Get Out, which everyone knows about as a phenomenal mm-hmm. film. 2017, one- he did Us in 2019. And nope, his third movie will be released in July of next year. And he um, won the Academy enough- Award for Get Out as well for, for Get screenwriting. Out, he did. Yeah. Yeah, which is uh, pretty best original cool. screenplay. Mm hmm. Yeah. Um, then, uh, last but not least, we have Wen Rosenfield, who is the third and last co-writer for this film. He's president and CEO of Monkey Paul Productions, which is Jordan Pill's production company. Um, he and Pill, I thought this was a cool tip- tidbit, uh, he and Pill are also currently signed on to produce a remake of the Wes Craven comedy horror film, The People Under the Stairs, which I loved when I was a I kid. Have that so movie. I'm like, that movie is so insane. There's two people it. from Twin Peaks in it. Um, Mm -hmm. by the way, the people that play the mom and dad, um, and I, I couldn't figure out if that movie was supposed to be funny or not. When the first time I saw it, I thought they were taking themselves seriously and I was like laughing at it. Like it was really bad. And then I was like, oh no, it's supposed to be funny. Okay, cool. Um, Mm -hmm. but I, it's such a, it's, I own that movie on DVD actually. One of my old roommates brought it and was like when she moved out she's like oh no you can keep it so i still own it i did want to mention one more person which is um the the music is by um a man named robert a.a Lowe, um and the soundtrack for this movie is um, yeah it's really 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 cool cool. um he there is a really great npr article where he kind of deep dives into um all the layers of the soundtrack but the biggest thing the soundtrack is built on the call and response tradition in african-american music so there is like a lot of voices that you can't really discern and it turns out it's a lot of the cast 
um, was involved in those kind of mm-hmm. noises. And, like, there's a lot of insect noises. Um, and it's really, really cool. It's de- definitely eerie. Now, the standout to me is, um, in this movie, is called um, Troy Story, which is easy to remember uh, because it sounds like Toy Story, but it's actually <laughs> Brianna's brother, Troy. Um, but Troy Story oh. is actually used in the trailer. And I was listening to it over and over again while writing um, my notes for um, this. So I was very much in the zone. So, yeah. So I did want to... Um, give a shout out to him too because the soundtrack is really really cool and really interesting it's interesting because philip glass who's a very famous composer did the music for the original movie which is a mm-hmm. very different soundtrack but they're both very interesting um and yeah so there's it's really big on the art scene which i'm getting a little mm-hmm. bit of american psycho kind of vibes from this movie too because um especially the art gallery like it's that very like stark design um, mm-hmm. which is so interesting because, like, when he goes into, like, the remnants of Cabrini Green from the original movie, everything's very, like, cluttered and messy, obviously, because it's kind of, like, an abandoned area. But, like, everything, like, in his life and in, um, at, like, the art gallery is very ordered and, like, clean and crisp and white and just, like, minimalist and... I find it interesting because his girlfriend's character, Brianna, is, like, she has a lot of order in her life. She's a director of an art gallery. She's a organizer um, because she had a lot of chaos growing up. And I feel like that's an interesting way to, like, her world versus his world. Um, which I just kind of, like, realized now. I was like, that's such an interesting art design, too, of the movie. Um, and art's a big part of this movie, um, but yeah, it's it's a very interesting design, and there's a lot of really cool camera work in this movie as well. Yeah, um, and I didn't know, Katie, when, um, whenever you were ready to get into spoilers um, about the plot, yeah. I was just going to give the spoiler. So, you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Are you okay. ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay, so guys, um, that being said, um, we are going to get ready to get into spoilers. Like we said, this movie is currently in theaters. Um, definitely... Um, well, I will get into more of my inter thoughts as we go along, but I would mm-hmm. say as a whole, I would recommend seeing this movie. Katie, I think you would definitely recommend seeing this. Yes, I really liked this movie. I will say there's there's some, I wouldn't say plot holes as much as like, I don't know if they're plot holes so much as just like holes in the story that I was kind of like, uh, mm. But there's a. I love the visuals. I love the style of the movie. I think this is a really good director and one we should watch out for. And I feel like, um, like there's a really this movie starts out really strong and the ending kind of gets wishy washy. So I will say there's that. I honestly really liked the experience of seeing this movie in the theaters. It was. I liked seeing it um, in theaters. So I would say go ahead and see it. Yeah. And with that, guys, we are going to get ready into um, give some deep spoilers into the plot and what happens in this movie. Yes. So um, please uh, skip ahead or just go see the movie if you don't want anything spoiled for you. And yes. on that note, we are going to get into spoilers in three, two, one, and perfect. Spoilers. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, so quick rundown, guys. Uh, sum up the plot. So, after Anthony and his partner moves to Cabrini, he happens to meet a long-term resident who exposes him, who exposes him um, to the tragic and true story behind the legend that is Candyman. 
inspired, he begins to make these de to take these details and um, stories into paintings and artworks that unknowingly puts him on a crash course with destiny uh, he was possibly always heading for. Um, so yeah, um, and with yeah. that, we're gonna get into the movie. So, <laughs> Ooh, which I yeah. love how we begin. Which I won't go too much into it, but there is a haunting rendition that's slowed down of Sammy Davis Jr.'s The Candyman, um, which was yeah. also in Willy Wonka. And they've got some interesting um, opening visuals where we see this, like, young boy named William in Cabrini Green um, when it's still housing projects in the 70s. And do it. Do it. And he's played by Rodney L. Jones III as a child, and he's later played... When he grows up by Coleman Domingo the third, Coleman Domingo, and um, who's in Fear the Walking Dead, Zola, and Euphoria, but also he's a huge prol prolific stage and film director, like stage and stage director and actor. Um, he's uh, done Once on This Island, Fences, and he was in several um, different versions of the Scottsboro Boys, which is a uh, it's a local story, but they made it into a Broadway musical um, when we were in college, and um, it's really depressing. Um, I encourage you to listen to it though, because the music's really good, and it is a story that I think people should hear. Uh, do you want, do you want me to tell the story of William, or you want to tell it? So we do see William um, Burke as a child. He's living in Cabrini in the 1970s, like Katie said. And he's carrying laundry, um, and he is asked by police if he has seen this a certain man, and he ignores the police. Um, he walks in, he puts his laundry in, and there's this, like, giant gaping hole in the wall. And a piece of candy is thrown through the hole, and then a towering figure with a hook uh, for a hand emerges from within. And he screams. And so that's, like, the cold opening of the movie. Um, which I automatically, um, I do want to make a note, so we do know, um, we'll get to it in a minute, but Sherman is the man that scares William, and it is Michael Hargrove who plays Sherman Fields, and Michael is from Birmingham, Alabama, so we got a native, uh, hey. which is really cool. Woo. Um, there's, I, the moment I saw this man, I thought there was something very captivating about him, um, but he, mm -hmm. um, his feature films include The Express, uh, Given Circumstances, and Were the World Mine. So he has a few credits under his belt, but I'm hoping we'll see him in a lot more things because he was incredibly captivating every time he was on the screen in this movie. So, um, yes. But we do flash forward to the present day, and we do have Anthony who is a visual artist living in Chicago. And, of course, Anthony is played by new up-and-comer Yaha Abdul-Mateen II. Yaya. 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 And it's spelled Y-A-H-Y-A. So, but he was Calabar in the limited series Watchmen. Um, he played uh, David Kane slash Black Manta and Aquaman. Um, he was Bobby Seal in The Trial of the Chicago 7, which was mm -hmm. a Best Picture nominee this past year. Um, and he was also in the Black Mirror episode Striking Vipers, which is arguably the only halfway decent episode of the newest Black Mirror season. So, um, and he <laughs> has a small role in that. Black Mirror. I started yeah, watching it. I was like, Mirror. uh. Um, and he's, yeah. he, um, is dating Brianna, who is an art gallery director, um, played by Tiana mm -hmm. Paris, who was, um, the detective in WandaVision, Mar Maria Rambo? Monica! Monica Rambo! Monica Mon Rambo! Yeah. Um, love her. She's 
Probably mm-hmm. is she my fa- she and Wanda were my two favorite parts. Oh, I don't know, Agatha yeah. was great too, but she was really great in WandaVision. Um, she was also in She Rock, um, Mad Men, and she's in the upcoming The Marvels movie. Um, also, a lot of the actors in this movie, including her, were in If Beale Street Could Talk, which was a very um, well received um, award nominated movie and award winning movie. Um, but Brianna's um, brother Troy, who Okay, so I knew this guy looked familiar, and I was like, "Why does he look familiar?" He's on the British show Misfits, the first season. Yes, I, I love, love that show. Curtis. He's yeah, two, actually, uh, first first three seasons, first yes. three seasons. I stopped Curtis. watching after Robert Sheehan left. Um, yeah, but, <laughs> but I really liked Misfits. I saw the first se- yeah. first two seasons. I think I saw, um, and he's really good in that show. And that was when he was very young, so he's. Not old, but that was like ten years ago. Um, he's also in Utopia, which I haven't watched yet. But he also does a lot of theater. Um, and, okay, um, and he also I have to say real quick, he is mm-hmm. uh, so Nathan Stewart Jarrett is also in one of my guilty. I love Misfits. It's not a guilty pleasure, but a guilty pleasure <laughs> show I love him in was Four Weddings and a Funeral on Hulu. I still um, haven't watched that yet. I really yeah, wanted to, and so, then I just wasn't like in the mood when it came out, and then I was like. Mm-hmm. I'll watch it around Christmas or something. It's not very good, but I love it. (laughs) (laughs) It has, like, people I like, though. Like, I was like, I like the actors in it, but it doesn't look well done. But that's okay. Yeah. Um, So, Troy and his, um, it seems like his new boyfriend, Grady, who's played by Kyle Kaminsky, which I didn't see a whole lot of credits for him. So, maybe this is one of his first roles or maybe one of his first film roles. Um, but they're basically walking through the now gentrified Cabrini Green neighborhood um, to meet, um, for Grady to meet um, Brianna and Anthony. And um, Troy is very funny. He's extremely um, sarcastic. And he kind of, like, makes a joke, like, my sister's basically supporting her starving artist boyfriend. So, obviously... Anthony's having some artist block. Um, and it's very interesting because the loft that they live in is eerily similar to Helen's loft in the first movie, uh, which this is like a spiritual successor. So I like the windows are the same and like they both have those like tall, like loft, like stone walls. And like, it, I mean, I was like, I'm sure they're doing it on purpose. Pretty sure. Um, but they talk about how this area was gentrified and they had to pay a lot of money for it because they knocked down all the old housing projects. And Anthony specifically says that he grew up on the south side in a different part of Chicago. Uh, yeah, and Troy starts to tell a little story. He does. He tells the urban legend of Helen Lyle, who was a grad student who went on a killing spree in the 1990s, and uh, how it ended at the Cabrini Green Projects when she attempted to sacrifice a baby to a bonfire. Um, Mm -hmm. So the brothers managed to stop her, but she still walked into the fire and killed herself. Um, And I love this because the big thing in the original Candyman is, one, because, you know, Katie was like, that's wrong because we are sitting. Yeah, I was like, what? I was like, (gasps) yeah, I was like, I'm sure they're doing it on purpose, but that annoys me. I loved it. I loved it though, but you feel sorry for Helen because it seems like over time the legend has been warped into her being the bad guy. But at the same time, it makes sense that over time, by word of mouth, the story would change so much. And then Helen's literally studying how urban legends morph and change. 
Um, and so well, I thought that was even actually the, really, really cool. Yeah, yeah. but basically, uh, and then he kind of, like, dares them all to, like, oh, you should say Candyman's name five times in um, the mirror. And um, Anthony gets very inspired. It, it, it is worth mentioning, too, because he's down on his luck that literally it's Brianna's white co-worker who is like, I thought you were supposed to be the next great uh, Black Hope of Chicago. Or he says something to that bullshit. Yeah. And so he also has, like, that pressure on him, yes. too. Yes, there's this... There, yeah. So the owner of the art gallery that Brianna manages um, mm-hmm. is putting a lot of pressure on him to change his ways. And basically, like, he works on a new piece, but it's basically just a different version of the piece that he's most famous for. So it's not really a new piece. Um, yeah. Which is, yeah, like, dude, come on. Um, but yeah, so he, he kind of gets inspired by this creepy story and he's also like, has a lot of pressure on himself. So, um, I hate when people do this in movies, but he (laughs) goes to the remnants of Cabrini Green housing projects and, um, he climbs a fence (laughs) that says no trespassing and starts taking photographs and he gets stung by a bee and it's really weird because it's like there aren't any other bees around. It's just like a single bee. And bees don't usually like come up and sting you. Usually like you have to step on them. So I was like, well, that's a very aggressive bee. But obviously there's something creepy about it. Um, which I wonder if people who haven't seen the original movie were confused. Because that's a whole yeah. thing. Like the, the whole thing in the old movie is about bees. Like that's kind of like the vehicle for the horror and this movie is very different because it's about the mirrors which the mirror is part of it in the original movie but that's not the horrific part and they really use mirrors in a very interesting way in this movie um but he gets stung by a bee and then he meets the adult grown-up william um who now runs a laundromat in the same neighborhood and he's like yeah i've been here the whole time so he's like oh i can ask him about you know the candy man And so he asks him, and William kind of expands on the story and says, you know, so the reason people were looking for this Sherman character with the hook was because he would always give children candy. And there was a series of razor blades in children's candy, and um, at least one little white girl died. And so then the police, because... But in this story, the police were very uh, racist, and they um, were like, oh, well, white girl's gotten killed now? Oh, now we have to, like, be all over this neighborhood. And um, they suspected Sherman because he gave children candy, but they hadn't actually seen him give any razor blades. And basically, when Sherman came and offered him candy, it was because he was hiding from the police but he was innocent, and the police didn't really care, and they went ahead and killed him in, instantly, pretty much. And um, Williams kind of always felt guilty about it, obviously. I mean, he was a kid, so he shouldn't feel any guilt. Yeah. Um, but basically, after he died, after he died, he was exonerated because there were still razor blades in the candy. And he yeah. kind of tells Anthony about how the Candyman is a, is a legend, but it's not just one person. And they use a really cool shadow puppet um, to tell the stories of the other Candymen. This is what, like, this is the first thing that I think that bothered me. So we know what Daniel Robitaille, the original Candyman, the Candyman that was in the original movie, we know the reason he had the hook for the hand was because it was an act of violence where they sawed off his hand and put the hook in. I was wondering why Sherman had a hook. 
because it doesn't seem like a very likely prosthetic. Prosthetic, so it it like it's okay that Sherman was missing a hand, but why the hell was there a hook for a hand? It just doesn't seem logical. So well, that was the first thing. Hooks are a little more functional me. than just a plastic hand because you can actually use them as a tool. So, like, this is a terrible example, but, like, for instance, the movie Drop Dead Gorgeous, the mom gets a hook for a hand because it's more functional. It's like a tool. So, I would say back in the 70s, I would say people probably got more hooks for hands than they did just a prosthetic hand. Because a prosthetic hand, they do make robotic hands now that are voice activated. um, Which is cool. And also kind of scary. I feel like maybe it's the time period. Like yeah. maybe he did I know lose that's his a very, hand. Yeah, and it was I after Vietnam too. Thing. So he yeah. could have lost his hand in Vietnam or another. You know, I guess yeah. just an accident. But you know, that's why I like. I was like, oh, I just feel bad for him because he's a nice guy. Because like yeah, I feel like is. a lot of people who have disabilities do get marginalized. And do get treated unfairly because people don't understand. And they just kind of either ignore them or they treat them like a pariah. I I don't think everybody does, but I think especially way back when. I mean, you think of the way people call people, you know, the R word. You know, how people treat people with um, intellectual disabilities. You know, I mean, it just sucks. Um, Nowadays, we're better about it i don't think we're 100 percent there but we are definitely better about it nowadays and it's not right but it is we do tend to fear that we don't know and that's just yeah human nature unfortunately you know yeah and i didn't realize hooks were typically used for prosthetics so that makes more sense to me now. i mean i'm i i think i'm correct but i i'm like thinking i'm like what can you do with a plastic prosthetic hand not a yeah. whole heck of a lot. It's not like prosthetic because like like prosthetic feet, they're not even like feet. They're like you know yeah. they've got like um, blades, so you can actually walk on them. Um, but like a plastic hand, like you look at like Jamie Lannister. Like, did he ever actually mm-hmm. use that fucking gold hand? No, nope. Like nope. a hook, you can actually like you know open a beer can with. I'm sorry, my reference but, is Drop Dead it- Gorgeous. Sorry, yeah, it's not a good reference, no. but. But I didn't mean to cut you off. You're telling us about the shadow puppets, um, which is actually oh, a very probably interesting one of my aspect parts. of this movie. Yeah. Yeah. So I love that whenever they talk about anything that's happened in the past, instead of like using old footage from the 1992 movie, which would have looked terrible compared to digital stuff and just would have been awkward, um, they do use photos and stuff from the original movie for continuity, which I prefer. Um,. But they actually use a really cool shadow puppetry um, animation to tell the stories of, like, Helen and the original Candyman and all the subsequent Candymen. Um, because they kind of go into it, but uh, when Anthony starts falling under the spell, we'll just say at this point, um, William starts telling you it's not the Candyman, it's the whole hive. It's a series of predominantly men, black men, who have been wronged by the authority, mostly white people, um, and they're kind of taking revenge for their neighborhood. Which is interesting, because in the original movie, he's more taking revenge on his own neighborhood. 
Um, which this one is more for the neighborhood. Until a point. Until they get to a point, and then it gets confusing. But we'll talk about that soon. Well, I but I love the shadow also, puppets. Visually, it's yeah, beautiful. We'll also say in a very quick compare and contrast, so... These Candymen are strictly confined to the mirrors, while the original Candyman, mm-hmm. it wasn't just all about the mirrors. He was more yes. free to move. Yeah. Yes. It was more of, if you, like, you had to enact it in the mirror, mm-hmm. but um, it wasn't about the mirror. And it leads to some really interesting kills. So, yeah. Anthony, Anthony gets super inspired by um, what William tells him, and he gets... So inspired that he um, misses dinner with his mother, which is kind of a throw. You think is just a throwaway line, um, and Brianna's like, "What the hell? You were supposed to come to dinner with your mom." He's like, "No, I started working on a series of portraits." Until he finally has something for the art show coming up with the assholey boss who's dating like a college student, much like Trevor in the original movie. Um, and um, he goes to. I kind of love this because you know. I love going to art museums, and I love looking at art, um, and I'm not, again, I'm not, like, a great artist, but I love art, and, um, I've done a couple art shows when I was younger, and I always felt really weird, because, like, I feel like, like, I feel like I had to make a pretentious crap for people to, either I had to not show up at the show at all, the only time I ever won anything was, like, if I didn't show up to the show at all, and so, or if I, like, showed up and had to, like, I made up some story about, like, what stuff means. And sometimes stuff does mean things to me. But sometimes I just make art because it looks nice. And there's nothing too deep about it. Um, so, he, you know, Anthony's not super pretentious. He's, like, a pretty normal person. But there's all these, like, pretentious art people, including this um, art critic who is played by Rebecca Spence, who I thought was Virginia Madsen in, like, really weird makeup, but is not, um, who was also in Contagion, Man of Steel, and Utopia as well. And the thing is, his art project just looks like a mirror, and it's called Say My Name, which, they actually, okay, I didn't realize this, I forgot this about the trailer for the movie, but I said something to Britt. I was like, yes. if they don't play Destiny's Child, say my name. And they didn't for the ending credits. The and first I trailer. Pissed. I was like, what? But yeah. the first trailer has a slowed down version of say my name, say my name. Which I was like, okay, yeah. cool. Uh, which, you know, you play some Destiny's Child, um, you've got me. Um, but so uh, it's called Say My Name. And most people just look at the mirror and read like the little blurb about the urban legend and just walk away. But he's like, if you open the mirror, behind the wall is where all of his real artwork is. And uh, Rebecca Spence's character, Finley, is kind of just like, yeah, what the fuck ever. I don't fucking care. She just kind of dismisses his whole stuff. Which is great. Yeah, I wanted to make a note because I was like, it's interesting because Anthony promises to make a piece on racism to the satisfaction of Brianna's white co-worker and is still mm-hmm. panned by a white art critic. Yes. I I kind of love that Jordan Peele... I'm sure this is coming from Jordan Peele a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I think, I think I this can is imagine. purposeful. Yeah. Because, okay, here's the thing. There are people in this world that are honestly good people and not racist who want to include everybody 
in the art world or the world of film or music or whatever. They're just open-minded and they don't care if you're black or white or whatever, but they want everyone's voices to be heard. Then there are people who know that they'll seem like a good person if they highlight people that are generally marginalized. And so they use a marginalized group and pretend that they're the good Samaritan, but really they don't give a shit about them. They're just using their voice to, you know, boost their own ego and be, um, you know, they're just using them. I'm sure Jordan Peele went through that, especially with Get Out. I don't think Get Out was kind of going out on a limb and it wasn't like a hugely, uh, it didn't have a huge budget. Um, but I feel like there's a lot of people afterwards that probably, I love that he's gotten so much um, exposure now. But I can't imagine the shit that he's had to deal with by being a successful black yeah. writer, director, producer in the film world and the horror world. I feel like a lot of people have probably been like, you're the new voice of the you know black horror yeah. movies. And that's so much to live up to and so much yeah. pressure. Especially when you know those people don't actually give a shit about you. They just want to use it so they can make money. Yeah. Like you were saying, was that... Um, Finley um, Stevens is thoroughly unimpressed, basically, from his show. Yes. Yeah, and the oh, I forgot to say what the other guy's name was—the snotty white guy, the art director. I always forget his name. <laughs> Brian King, who plays Clive Privler. Clive, um, okay. Who he's in the Chai? Is it the Chai or the Chi? It's a TV show about Chicago, and I still have not watched it, but it's on. Oh. It's definitely on my list. So he, maybe he just does a lot of Chicago stuff. Um, and then um, there's also another artist, which I don't think he's he's in a couple scenes, but I don't think he's even worth mentioning. But there's another artist who's just kind of a um, how do I put this? He's just kind of um, pretentious, and he obviously has a thing for Brianna. That obviously bothers Anthony. So Anthony's getting very frustrated because he thought this was, like, his big piece. And then this art critic, like, isn't impressed. And Clive is impressed. But um, Anthony gets kind of drunk and stops, kind of, starts, like, kind of calling everybody pretentious douchebags and shit. And, and, like, walks out of the art gallery drunk. And Brianna's, like, really, really embarrassed. Um, and they go home and um there is one like teenage girl that you see like look at the mirror and then like leave with her mom which is important for later which i do like kind of like the idea of like this urban legend almost spreading like a virus like all these people go to the art gallery and read about the urban legend and then it touches people in different ways which i found interesting yeah it kind of reminds me of ring it that part does remind me of the ring which is like you have to pass on the videotape to keep the curse going so yeah yeah um so basically uh clive and his um young girlfriend are cleaning up and clive's just pissed he's like ah he's so ungrateful what an asshole and shit and in a scene very much like the opening scene to candy man 1992 where there's like a young they're telling the story of like a young babysitter like daring her boyfriend to say it into the mirror or not her boyfriend the guy she's cheating on her boyfriend with uh, into the mirror. Um, basically, the uh, the girlfriend is like, say it. And they're like, you know, about to have some very kinky sex in front of the 
mirror and they say Candyman five times and um, you see Candyman and he just starts slashing him up and it's really, really graphic um, but it's really well done and I love the way they use mirrors because like he's in one mirror and then he's in another mirror and then he'll do something in the mirror that'll happen in real life but he never actually touches the people in real life. I didn't really realize this until after uh, listening to a couple other reviews, but most of the victims in this movie are white. Not exclusively, but most of them are. I didn't feel like I even noticed it because it wasn't so much that they were white, that they were just kind of elitists. Or, uh, and it's not all of them, but, so like, I don't know if anyone had a negative viewpoint of that but i didn't really notice it until after the movie and after i was thinking about i was like i guess they all happen to be white i did and but there is something that counter uh so there's something that made me notice even more coming up and there's something that contradicts it which is really interesting too but every victim in the movie is white with the exception of one so yes well two but yeah so, um, after their murder, though, um, the next morning, Brianna finds them, and, uh, yeah. it gives her, uh, it brings up trauma of her father's suicide that she witnessed as a yes. child. Um, and this is, I think this is the first time we really see Anthony becoming kind of something he isn't, because the murders are mentioned on the news, as well as Anthony's artwork, because they're murdered in front of his artwork. And afterwards, um... His name is mentioned, and he seems ecstatic about it, that his name was mentioned on TV. And it really is for Brianna and Troy. It's such such dark comedy, because, like, they're uh, listening to it, and, you know, you see him, like, just staring at the TV, and he seems really upset, and um, they're like, and Anthony McCoy's work, say my name is a haunting reminder of this crime. And, like, he just starts smiling, and he's like, wow, they said it. And, like, Troy and Brianna are like, what the fuck is wrong with you? He's like, I mean, of course it's sad, but, I mean, it's kind of nice to be mentioned. And I love that with Brianna's character, they give her this interesting backstory of trauma. Not only does she have, like, okay, she she has trauma where her father was an artist and he killed himself in obviously had mental health issues and was like, hey, you want to see your dad fly and, like, jumps out the window. And that was terrifying for a little girl to see. And in her opinion, which, you know, she was a little girl when this happened, his artwork drove him to um, what happened to his, you know, fate. And obviously she's never fully left the art world because that's what her job entails. Um, So she's, like, not letting herself escape her past and she's also dating an artist so whenever anthony starts going further and further down the deep end obviously it's bringing back past trauma and i found that very interesting to give her character that because anthony is i would say the main character but brianna takes on a larger role towards the end of the movie Mm -hmm. and i just love that they actually give her something interesting when they could just have her just be the girlfriend you know yeah yeah and um Exactly. So it's interesting. I will argue, though, I think that I bet you money um, there is a a script that flushed out her backstory even more. Because I feel like there's more there, and I'm wondering if they cut it down to keep a a shorter runtime. But 
Afterwards, it seems like art critic Finley has a change of heart, and she becomes more curious about Anthony's work, because of course she does. Um, So she invites Anthony to her home, her apartment, um, and decides to interview him. And he dares her to say, see man's name in the mirror. And she's like, okay, I'll take you up on that challenge. Um, And this is actually one of my favorite parts in the the movie, is after noticing that Finley's been gone for a minute, he goes to find her, and uh, Anthony sees himself in the mirror as a vision of Sherman's Candyman. And mm-hmm. I love this scene. And the reason I love this scene is another um, critic brought this up. So I read um, Toni Morrison's Beloved years ago. It's a Pulitzer Prize winning book. And obviously there's this idea of there's a character. You don't really know if she's a ghost or not. But someone says, uh, I don't think it's evil. I think it's sad. And that's what I really felt in the scene was the sadness behind Sherman's mm-hmm. Candyman. And I think that's why I like this scene uh, so very, very much. Um, um, but Finley does come out of her bathroom. And um, Anthony flees in terror because it's it's such... I love this. It's There's a lot of little great details. So he, Finley is in the doorway and he looks in the mirror and then you see Sherman's Sherman Seaman poke his head around. Like, he's like, oh, are you still there? Like, it's very nuanced. But when Aunt, mm-hmm. uh, Anthony sees it, he just flips the fuck out. And he runs out the door. And yeah. literally, there's this beautiful wide shot where he goes out the door. Finley goes to follow him. And then she's just lifted up in the air. And then smashed against the window. And just drawn yeah. across the window. Which, it did look a little silly. The I liked CGI. It. Like, mm-hmm. The first, when it first happened, it was great, but when they drug her across, the CGI wasn't mm-hmm. great, and I was mm-hmm. like, ugh, it looked a little cheap at that point, if I'm going to be a negative, but I like the, I love the idea of it. Um, yeah. I do like, though, that you don't, like, you're not sure, you don't actually see her say the name, but yeah. obviously she did. Yeah. Because she was given, she, she goes, she, she was given the opportunity, and I don't think, I think in this world, it seems like uh, it's almost like a retribution calling Candyman in some yeah. ways. Unless you're doing it in a... Unless you're doing it in a um, disrespectful way. Because there's yeah. two groups of people who do this in a disrespectful way, and they die, and they don't really seem to be like bad people just stupid people if that makes sense yeah and anthony does give her a speech about like how much of a pretentious asshole she is which i like yeah i did too and i feel bad because at this point i remember i remember everything that happened in the movie but because we only saw it once my 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 order of the events get kind of switched around i yes, feel it's I the do issue know i was having there he goes to dinner with Brianna and mm-hmm. there's some other art gallery people from New York that now that Clive has died they're trying to basically steal Brianna for their own galleries because they really like her and um Anthony that bee sting has like st- like like spread up his arm and mm-hmm. is like it's almost like his flesh is rotting and like it's just getting worse and worse and worse um, which I'm sure is a symbol of his mental stability getting worse and worse and worse, which is yeah. interesting. Um, but he does go to the dinner and he kind of like bails on the dinner. 
Does he seek out William again at this point? I think so. I think this is when he goes to William. And William tells him about how it's not just the bee, it's the whole hive. The whole hive. Candy Man is the whole hive. hive. And he talks about all these different people who were wronged um, in the past, throughout the centuries. He talks about how Daniel was the first, but there was like a little boy who was killed and a couple other men who were killed and then Sherman. And so it's a continuation of basically the oppression of the black community in Chicago. Since this will be um, talked about one way or another, is this where Sherman brings up that his sister was killed by, or no. Yeah, so that was the two, his sister and her friend. Okay, okay, that's right. So that's what you're thinking of. Okay, okay, okay. Because I was thinking of just his sister, but you're right. She does say this is a grown-ups game, and there's two of them. So, okay, you're right. Yeah. So, okay. But, yeah, because, okay, I thought it was at that scene, but I couldn't remember for sure if it was or not. Yeah. Okay. Because Sherman basically tells him how his older sister um, wouldn't let him play the Candyman game with her and her friend in the bathroom. And then he saw them murdered. And Sherman's just, like, waving at him through the window. And I was like, that's fucking creepy. Yeah. This is why it gets wishy-washy. Yeah, that's the one thing. Yeah. Well, we'll get to the end. Yeah, yeah, I think the next scene is the group of girls. And the reason I thought it was interesting, so the girl we see in the art gallery, she gets a group of her friends to um, look in the school bathroom mirror and say... Um, Which the is scene. the best yeah. um, scene transition because somebody's like, who would be stupid enough to say Candyman five times? And then immediately it goes to like the little white girl from the art gallery. And in my head I was like, white people? Like, yeah. I was like, and I did when I was a child. I was an idiot. And this is what's interesting is so there's her and four other friends. And what happens is that they say Candyman and they get to the fourth time and like a bathroom window slams. And I thought it was very interesting because it's actually the Asian girl that leaves. Like, she's yeah. like, no. She's like, and she fuck leaves. No. Which yeah. I don't know if that's on purpose or if that girl just read that line the best. I'm not sure. I feel like it might be, I don't think, because I don't think, and Jordan Peele specifically says, like, he's like, you know, I don't, I don't think Jordan Peele wants to kill, kill white people, but I do think there's something to be said for white oppression and systemic racism. No, and I'm not, I'm not, like, saying that, like, oh, Jordan Peele hates white people. I'm not saying that at all. No. But I did read an interview with uh, Colin Domingo, and he said it was a very active choice not to try and show black suffering in this movie, which is why you don't yeah. really see a lot of black characters killed. But then it also brings about why the fuck was the ending that was shows was the chosen ending. Yes. So, yeah. and it is interesting because there is a black girl that the other girls are bullying that comes into the bathroom. Yeah. I really like the bathroom scene because... So they're all at the mirror, and the one girl's like, fuck this shit, and she leaves the bathroom. And then there's a girl Mm -hmm. that obviously they have a history of bullying her, and she puts her headphones on, and she just kind of goes in the bathroom stall and ignores their bullying. And then one of them goes back for a mirror, her compact mirror, and um, gets murdered, and there's just a bunch of blood. And they don't show too much, but they just show enough. Um, And it's pretty pretty gruesome, but in like... a interesting way and the way it's shot is like you see you see the girl's compact mirror on the floor and you're seeing some of it happen through the mirror and then the girl in the bathroom like finally figures out there's something wrong when she sees blood on the floor and she's like what the fuck which i felt bad because okay 
So remember in the original movie how Helen gets blamed for all these deaths, but she didn't actually commit them. Yeah. Candyman did, but she didn't actually commit them, but she, there's no way for her to prove that a ghost, you know, did the crimes that she was around for. And I feel bad for Anthony, which Anthony's the clear choice because he actually said it in the mirror, but the poor girl in the bathroom, like, do you think they're going to blame her? You know what? I don't, my thing is, is that I, I've thought about this because this is one, I don't think it's necessarily a plot hole, but there's obviously two witnesses. So there's a girl that left that would have been able to tell the police what had happened right before the killings. And then with the second girl, I'm like, there's no way in hell a, a girl that small could brutalize four other girls that bad. It's just not possible. But she was bullied by them and there was a history. Like, it was obvious. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm just The only, I'm like, so that's, yeah. like, it gets messy. Because, like, yeah. at first it seems like he's avenging, like, Anthony and, you know, like, systemic racism and that kind of, like, which is terrible stuff. Like, okay, yeah. makes sense. Um, but then, like, I feel like he's kind of leaving this one girl who is obviously bullied and so i would say she's marginalized and she's the only black girl in this whole bathroom yeah. um and she like i i feel bad i'm like so but you're kind of setting her and anthony up for the crimes just like helen was set up for the crimes in the beginning yeah so i'm like and also i wonder if william was blamed for his sister's death maybe why william kind of went a little wackadoodle We'll say. But no, I, the only reason I think not is just logistically if it was her versus one girl. I think she could have murdered one girl, but not oh, four girls. No, and I mean, this is like graphic. Also, yeah. like, it's very obvious. And I don't know if this is how Chicago actually is because I've, driv- I've never actually lived in Chicago. But it's very obvious that the police in this movie are extremely prejudiced. Yeah. So... I could see, they don't say it on the news, but I could see in this world of this movie, like, someone being blamed for that, um, even though it's not possible. Because yeah. weirder things have happened. So I remember yeah. that happening, and then I think things start getting worse. Anthony and Brianna have a fight because Anthony freaks out when she tries to prove to him that, you know, the whole urban legend isn't real, and she starts saying it in the mirror, and he breaks the mirror, and... I get what he's doing, like, he's protecting her, but, like, yeah, if, if my boyfriend did that, I would be like, get the fuck out, because he's very angry. And he's also been painting portraits of all the men from um, the history of Candyman. She's just she's just really scared and nervous, and she runs back to her, her brother and his boyfriend, and he's, she's just like, he's crazy. And um, Anthony ends up going to his mom... Well, because he finally, like, a fucking rational... I, I, this is this is another thing that pisses me off. It's like, no one in the rational, like, world would wait this long to get that fucking thing Oh, yeah, out. he finally goes to the doctor. So he finally gets the yeah. base thing. Yeah. And this is something that bothers me, too. To so the nurse, now. I don't know if they would ever... They, I don't know if they would ever actually say this in a hospital, but they're like, oh, welcome back. This was the hospital you were born in. And I'm like... I don't think anyone would ever say that. I mean, I, I would be wrong, but I'm never... I would. No, I used to say all the time at doctor's office, like, oh, we haven't seen you since, like, 2015. How have you been doing? How are your glasses? But have you ever have you ever been to a hospital you were born in? And they're like, welcome back to the hospital you were born in. I don't know. To me, it makes sense from coming from the medical world. Like, 
but I don't know. I thought it was funny. Yeah. But it was, she did say I it guess, a little think, silly. Like, it would have been a little maybe more realistic if she had been like, oh, it says here in your file that you were actually born here. That's cool. Yeah, especially because he's obviously in very bad condition at this point. Well, she might be trying to distract him, too, to so face. he feels better. Yeah. Because also, like, yeah. you want to calm people down. You don't want to say, like, because they don't ever say what they think it is. They're like, oh, we're going to start you on antibiotics. Yeah. I'm like, is it flesh-eating bacteria? What the fuck is happening? That's what it looks like. Yeah, yeah exactly. It was awful. But she, it's because of the nurse that he's like, no, I wasn't born here. I was on, I was born yeah. on the south side. And she's like, well, I'm looking at your file. Which finally leads him to go see his mom, who's been basically wanting to see him the whole film. Yeah, so basically he goes to his mom, Anne-Marie, who's played by the same actress, Vanessa Williams, from the original movie and i really like this actress by the way she did a really good job um but he's basically like what the fuck tell me and he's like what and she basically tells him like well you're the baby from the bonfire oh i was gonna say she exonerates helen because she's like he's like did she really try to kill me she's like no she saved you and like she actually like saved you and she sacrificed herself to save your life so no um, she was not a bad person, um, but a lot of bad stuff happened around her, and I wanted to get you out of there because we were never going to escape if we didn't leave that part of Chicago. And it's so sad, too, because literally in the original film, like, um, Helen's looking at him, and she's like, oh, he's beautiful, and she's like, and Anna Marie looks at baby Anthony, and she's like, yeah, he's something special, I got my eye on him. Yeah. Uh, always yeah it's so like sad this almost um, like is a better sorry, way to a, handle yeah. like remember like the part of lords of salem with like the special child talk and like like inescapable fate this movie was like almost a better way to explore inescapable fate like this was going more towards like the hereditary route where it's like you can only escape your fate so long but basically He's like, okay, well, I gotta go. And his mom's like, it's real. Like, do not fuck around with this shit. So Bri- Brianna has gone back to the house to get her stuff with her brother. Um, and Anthony's nowhere to be found. And she's getting kind of worried. And um, so she asks some people. And they're like, no, we haven't seen him. And someone mentioned something about William. Um, and so he, or there's like a note about William that she finds and she goes to the laundromat to try to find William. Um, so basically like there's one person in the laundromat and the back room is all windows. And so she goes back there and she's like, hi, Anthony, are you here? And, uh, you see a wide shot of this, which there are a lot of really cool wide shots in this movie. Um, and you see this girl with her AirPods in. And she's listening to music so she can't hear Brianna when she realizes the door is locked and she can't get out. And then you just see William, like, basically just grab her. And at first I thought there was going to be something where, like, William was like, shh, I'm going to tell you a secret. But no, no, this is the part where the movie gets kind of dumb. Because yeah. it turns out, well, okay, so Candyman's real in this movie. But also William, and here's the thing, I wonder if William was blamed for his sister's death. And maybe has communicated with Sherman for years. Um, because he basically takes them to, like, this church. And that has, like, a bunch of, like, paintings of 
the sea man. And um, he, this is gross. This is a really gross body horror. He basically tells Brianna, like, oh, it's like him reborn. He's the next one. I'm here to usher him in. And he chops Anthony's hand off. And then the worst part is he just takes a fucking hook and just, (sighs) it's gross. It's really gross, y'all. But in a good way. And I hate it because his whole whole plan is that, like, okay, like, I'm going to create this candy man. And he's going to be a symbol of uh, vengeance rather than a symbol of pain. But I'm like, it still wouldn't it be a symbol of pain and suffering for Anthony because he had no choice in the man. And Anthony's, like, catatonic at this point. Anthony's, like, gone. Yeah, he's, like, in this fugue state. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's, like, so you're trying to create this symbol of vengeance, but all you're doing is creating more suffering for the community because Mm -hmm. not only is Anthony going to be dead, but, like, Brianna's going to be traumatized. His mom's going to lose her son. Well, it's, like, perpetuating the cycle. Yeah. Yeah. The idea is still warped. But I felt like it was kind of stupid, too, because he's actually, like, harming his own community by doing this and harming Anthony, which William doesn't seem to have mental health issues up until this point like he believes in you know the the urban legend but like that's true in this movie in the logic of this movie that's a real thing so i don't understand because like it's not like the other movie where you don't see as many of the crimes committed at first um you see them committed by um sherman in all of these yeah. instances, so there's no questioning, like, oh, is it just all in Anthony's head? No, it's happening. No. So, I don't know. Yeah, it, yeah it gets wishy-washy. And it gets even more wishy-washy. Because... Yeah. So, Brianna's really smart, and she uh, breaks out of her restraints, which was just duct tape anyways. And she kind of flees. And it is a very cool, like, chase sequence, because she goes under the church where there's, like, no light. I think what happens is Sher- Sherman, not Sherman, William tries to hurt her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then uh, Anthony protects her. No, no she, oh, no, she stabs, stabs him. Uh, she stabs, she stabs, yeah, right. she stabs Burke to death. Like, because he pursues her and she fucking, like, viciously stabs Oh, she does. Him, you're like, right. You're over right. And over and over. Sorry. Yeah. Again, we only got so, this movie one um, time. No, you're good. You're good. It's a lot. It's a lot to remember. It's a lot to remember. But this was the other thing I. Oh thought yeah, cause was she weird because she saves herself. Anthony, strong female yeah, character. She does, but it was like less than ten minutes ago. Anthony was in such a fucking trance that like he was letting someone put a metal hook in his flesh. But now he's just like I think he's dead. And I'm like Anthony, how'd you come out of the trance right. so fast? Maybe she broke the spell yeah. when she killed William. I don't know. It's weird. But then Anthony, yeah. um, kind of collapses because you know he just had his hand ripped off, mm-hmm. and the police yeah. show up, and they just shoot Anthony instead of asking what happened. Yeah. Which. Which doesn't even make sense. Okay, which I understand. I understand a lot of the the violence we have towards black men doesn't make sense. But literally, he's on the ground. Yeah. Passed out. In or at her least lap. suffering in pain. Yeah. Yeah, in her lap. They could have... I feel like they could have staged it more of it was a misunderstanding. Like, it's more of just, no, these yeah. are, like, just bad cops that are evil. Which I'm like... 
I'm sure those people exist. I know those people exist. But also, like, yeah. it makes more yeah. sense when it's, like, they mistook. Like, they should have blocked it a little differently, I feel like. Yeah. It would have made more logical sense. But, yeah, that's why, like, in this movie, I'm, like, it's a little lazy. Because I'm, like, if he was, like, standing over Sherman's body. Or, yeah. not Sher- I keep calling him Sherman. Uh, William's body. Yeah, Burke. Yeah. Um... And she was off to the side, that would make more sense. But also, I was like, are they going to shoot her? Because, like, that's pretty close to yeah. her. Like, I thought she was going to die. I thought that's what was going to happen. I did, too, because wouldn't, if, like, she had died, then, and then maybe, um, fucking Anthony had launched at them after she had died, right. and then he was shot down, that would have made more sense to add to the yeah. trauma that was... The but instead, it's know. kind of yeah. It's not. But, it, it's only. It's just kind of like how they staged it makes it not make a whole lot of sense. Yeah. They cuff. Um. Almost called her Monica. They cuff Brianna, not Monica Rambo. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And they put her in the car, which obviously, like, she probably has blood all over her because she had to kill William in self defense. So I'm like, they probably do cuff you and put you in the cop car if you have to kill someone in self defense because they still have to process you. And you still have to give your statement and everything. But I feel like if you kill someone in self-defense, in most cases, and you're going very quietly, they probably wouldn't have to cuff you. So I was a little bit like, that's a little excessive. But again, like, I also, I don't know if these cops know what's going on. So, I don't know. But then, instead of being like, what happened? They're like, oh, I'm going to give you two scenarios and you choose the lesser of two evils. One, you get to go to jail and be an accomplice with your boyfriend for murder, who's now dead. Or, two, you can say that your boyfriend, you know, killed him on your own. Um, and, you know, blame your boyfriend. And she's like, what the fuck? And then she... <sighs> I don't know if I like this ending or not. I'm still on the fence. Yeah. I don't know. Because she's like... um, I'll tell you whatever you want, but can I look in the mirror first? And it's like the the rules reverse back or something because she looks in the mirror and says, you know, can you in five times? And all the police officers start getting murdered by Anthony, who is now Candyman yeah. in the, which, you know, Sherman, I mean, oh, God, damn, gosh, darn it. Keep calling William, William. Sherman because they're, yeah. they're, 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 yeah, related to each other. Not phys- you know. Their stories their are stories related. are interlinked. Yeah. Um, but he had like yeah. William put Sherman's jacket or jacket looked like Sherman's on Anthony before he died because he was trying to like costume him, you know, correctly. You got to dress for the part, right? You got to dress for the job you want. Yeah, <laughs> not the job you have. Um, and he just starts killing people, and I, I was a little confused that he killed people outside of the car, not inside the car, because the mirror was inside the car. And also, I was like, well, if he's now she's going to get blamed for killing all these cops, right? Which yeah. Good. And the rules were broken. Yeah. The rules were broken because every other time you see, unless Sherman somehow. That's what's weird. Sherman wasn't around the mirror when he died. So it's like Daniel, like when he died, they forced him to look into a mirror. That's how the whole mirror's connected. Sherman was only allowed to move for mirrors, but wasn't near a mirror. And now for some reason, Anthony doesn't need a mirror to move. Yeah, but you do need a mirror to activate. So, yeah. It's yeah, just, it's still the same there. It's just wishy-washy. Like, it's not like it's bad. Yeah. 
it's just wishy-washy. And then, like, like the cop that's in the car with her finally runs out of the car. She gets out of her handcuffs. And then, which is a bad form. Because, okay, because I was like, oh, so she can run away and not be caught. But I'm like, they must have called it in. So what, now she's going to be on the run? Yeah. Like, maybe they haven't called it in. But if they called it in, then what's she going to do? Be on the run for the rest of her life? But instead, she just walks over and sees the Candyman killing the really shitty cop. And then he kind of turns into Tony Todd. Basically. Which is cool. Daniel's like, yeah. Because we like Tony Todd. Yeah. And then that's... We love Tony Todd. And he tells her to tell everyone. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's how the movie ends. And the only... Now that you've set yeah, her up like, to wait, go what? to jail, like, I don't know. I was wondering, and we don't, it hasn't been announced that there is a sequel in the making, but I almost wonder if they were, like, planning to make Yaya the new Candyman. Yeah. Like, it's because Tony Todd's, Tony Todd's in his 60s. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, was this supposed to be, like, a resurgence of the series, and now Yaya's going to be the new Candyman? I don't really know, like, what's going on. I just felt very underwhelmed, I think, at the ending. Everything leading up to the ending was great. And I was kind of like, I wasn't, like, super disappointed. Like, I wasn't, like, upset afterwards. I was kind of like, okay, that was an ending they chose. Um, But I, I think the movie overall makes up for a blah ending, I don't know if there... I don't know if there would have been a better way to end it. Um, I feel bad for Anthony. Yeah, I do too. So... I'm glad Brianna... I'm glad Brianna didn't die, but uh-huh. her faith is still... Her fate is still very much in the air. Yeah. Well, it was nice that she became, like, this. a final girl. I think you pointed that yeah, out. Yeah, it was So nice. that was cool, because, like, I was, like... Because it became more of a female-centric ending. I don't know. It's a weird ending. It's uh, there are some people who just hate the ending and some people who are cool with it. I I'm kind of in the middle. Uh yeah. But I think it's I I don't think it ruins the movie, but I do think it's kind of wishy-washy. It ends in such like this like high tension high tension moment and then the credits start to roll. And yeah. it, it feel it leaves you in like a really weird headspace. Yeah. I felt like really jarred. We kind of thought there might I be a left ending credit scene but there wasn't so no i don't know yeah. but they did have those shadow puppets again for the credits and that was really pretty they did <laughs> but it was really sad was though because really it showed all the different murders including the little boy yeah so you're it wasn't like, happy so none of the none, none yeah. of the candy men had a happy life which is you know and i yeah. you know it, it, there's a lot of pros about this movie i think you know we've got strong performances i think everyone did a really good job there were very few performances that were lackluster even like the the hipster girlfriend was pretty funny um yeah i think i i do think this movie's funnier than you think it's gonna be when you go into it kind of lightens your mood and then you're brought back down to the depths of horror drama's the same way life's like that right um, I really liked yeah. how they used the old story because we we kind of glossed over this, but he goes to the library to research Helen, 
and, like, starts listening to her tapes that she made in the actual movie, and they actually use her audio from the movie when she was making notes, and um, I really thought that was a good way to incorporate the old story without completely rehashing and retelling it. And I like, too, like, this, like, the original movie was kind of a white person looking into the black community, and this one is the black community yeah. telling their own story. So I, I like that, too. I think that's it's an interesting take. And if you're going to kind of redo or revamp a series or a movie or whatever, do it from someone else's perspective. You know, at least it's different. And yeah. it's, a, it, it's a sequel. It's a, it's a spiritual sequel in one of the best ways you can have a spiritual sequel. You know, and I, I don't know. I liked it. Um, and again, I didn't even notice that most of the victims were white. So I don't know. Only like one person brought that up. Um, and they were like, they were like, I'm not saying kill all the white people, but I thought it was interesting that in the original movie, most of the victims are black and in this movie, most of the victims are white. Yeah. You know, cause this movie is much more about the, you know, gentrification and systemic racism in America and the kinds of problems all of those things cause and um yeah i definitely noticed um that most of the people except for burke's sister was white and then by proxy of course anthony at the ending too um Mm -hmm. but to me it wasn't the most important thing about the movie it's not the main thing i latched on to but i felt like it was i think it was definitely purposely done oh yeah i don't think it was done out of hatred towards white people i just think it was something very purposely done um, but I did, so I actually wanted to leave with my cons, unless you wanted to tell me, um, any of your cons first. I was going to leave with my cons before going I pretty much cars. already said my cons. Like, I don't love William basically okay. betraying his own community by bringing yeah. that urban legend to fruition and sacrificing Anthony. I, I thought that was kind of weird. And I just think the ending's a little messy. Like, and I'm not sure yeah. why. I don't know if maybe they just couldn't figure out an ending and they just kind of went with the safest thing but there's just some things that i feel like like the fact that it would have made more sense if anthony was standing up and that's why they felt threatened and they just didn't ask questions like it made sense when sherman was murdered because he was standing up and there was a child screaming like i was like okay i can understand like not that it's okay but I can understand how the no. cops, like, the shitty cops were like, well, he was, like, threatening a child. They have an excuse. But what excuse do you have shooting a man that's laying down? Which maybe that's the point. Maybe that's the point that, like, yeah. systemic racism exists. And there's not, like, how, like, I mean, Elijah McCain, McLean, um, the verdict finally came where they are holding people responsible for his death. That was a whole thing where, like, they just yeah. assumed he was doing something nefarious when he was just, like, walk, what was he, like, walking home? And, like, they yeah. not only did they cause him great stress, but then they shot him up with ketamine because they thought he was freaking out. And I was like, I don't know what I would do in that situation if people just start fucking arresting me for walking home. Like, and... Oh, I know. Especially because he was... I couldn't even imagine. Like, yeah. And this fucking awful. I'm glad people are being held responsible. Yeah. I didn't hear what if they've come out with what the punishment is, like, what their sentencing is. But I'm glad that they at least are holding people responsible. But, I mean, maybe that's the point. But it just felt yeah. like it felt like it could have been portrayed a little cleaner. 
And also, it kind of doesn't yeah, make and sense I guess, logically how I guess everything switches at the end. And maybe that's what they're trying to say is that maybe there are just some shitty cops who just shoot somebody and then go, hey, this is the story. You stick to it and you're yeah. not going to change it. But like, I feel like that but was all the cops like, in this bothersome. movie. And I feel like yeah, it's exactly. more interesting when it's a grayer area because I feel like that yeah. that's more often how it happens. But again, we're two white ladies. So yeah, I was thinking, I told, I might have actually experience. as I was making these notes. As I was making these notes, I told Taylor um, over the last couple of days, I said, I really wish I had had a, a a person of color on this episode with us because I would love to have perspective that wasn't a white perspective. Definitely. I did watch some YouTube channels like Pay or Wait that um, weren't just white people reviewing it because I did want to get another perspective, but I also didn't know of anyone else in my realm of friends who had seen it yet um so yeah just know we are two white ladies so we may not have the correct viewpoint because we only have our limited viewpoint but we are open to anybody else's viewpoints if you would like to share them with us we would love to hear you from you and um i am i um so i'm, I'm going to circle back around um so i think that's one of the when we compare these two movies, mm-hmm. and granted, they're both doing very different things, and I can be appreciative of that, because who wants to have a carbon copy of a movie that was made almost 30 years ago? Disney. Disney, yes, Disney, exactly. <laughs> but I think that's what really bothered me, is that Helen was given a choice, and she yes. pursued it. And so when Helen dies, I mean, I liked Helen as a character, don't get me wrong, but it's like Helen basically walked into a death trap. Like, she yeah. could have ran away and she just kept walking towards it. Um, Anthony really didn't have a choice, and I think that's yeah. what kind of... Although was, Brianna did. I, I'm sure... Yeah, Brianna did, but Anthony did it. And I, I know there's probably this greater idea, but um, that's really kind of depressing to think about. Um, it's, it's kind depressing. of a real big downer to think about. Yeah. Um, but some of my cons. Um, so there, this is another movie um, to me that's not really scary. I'm just gonna say it. I um, it creeped me there's out. There's one or two. I I I thought it was like really visually cool, but I wasn't scared. The only time I jumped was during the jump scare. Um, the kills to me were more artistic, which makes sense because this movie, its lead like character is an artist. So to me, the yeah. kills are more artistic. Rather than actual scary. Um, which that's not necessarily a bad thing. Because some people like that. Me, I, I do like things that get under my skin. Like I want to be truly horrified when I see a movie. Um, the other thing that bothered me is there's not as much of a balance in this one as the original film. Um, so, for example, what I mean there is that in the original film, we have Helen talking a lot of stuff with her colleagues about urban legends and this and that, right. and her and Bernadette have some scenes. But for every scene we have about her talking about her thesis and all that mm-hmm. good stuff, we also have scenes with Anna Marie and Jake. And yeah. we really get to learn about the Cabini Green residents, and we learn how... You know, these people are viewed as these, like, bad people who live in this poor area of town. But once you get to know these characters, you find out they're good people. And they're morally just 
these great people that just so happen to live in a bad area. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was really cool. There was this juxtaposition between the two worlds. And with this movie, it feels like we never really leave the world of art. Like, it's this stuffiness, this kind well, of, like, neutral, cool stuffiness that we never really quite leave. Yeah, but also, like, Cabrini Green has been gentrified. So that's mm-hmm. not really a reality anymore. And I think yeah. that's why it moves on to a more personal story about Anthony than the neighborhood. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe William's trying to reclaim the neighborhood. Yeah. From gentrification. I would say William is that William is that kind of character um that we get to learn more. He's an interesting William. character. And I think that's a, I think that's another reason that makes it so hard that he becomes the villain. Yeah. The but again, maybe he's like symbolically reclaiming the neighborhood from gentrification. Yeah. Bringing back the old ways. Yeah. Maybe that's it. That just popped in my head just now. So, yeah. maybe that's it. Maybe it's just... It, I feel like there's a lot of this movie that's a little more symbolic than yeah. literal. Um, whereas the other movie was much more literal, even though it did talk about class struggles and things like that. Um, I think it it's a little more literal, whereas this is, like, maybe a little more symbolic. Maybe that's why the ending is a little more messy, because it is... I don't know. And it's also, this movie was made right around the time that, because this was made, I think, in late 2019 and 2020. Mm-hmm. So things are really rough then. I mean, they're still rough. But, yeah. I mean, there were a lot of protests going on and a lot of violence and things were coming to light. And I think, obviously, the script was colored by that. And that's, you know, yeah. apparent. So, I don't know if maybe they had made it, like, this year. Maybe there would have been, like, maybe a slightly different ending. I think something that we all know, so we keep hearing say his name, and that instantly brings callbacks to George Floyd. Mm-hmm. That is no coincidence. Um, so, no. there was, like, a lot of, like, powerful, like, powerful kind of ideas. I just thought there were certain things that they really hit the mark on, and other things that fell really flat. Yeah. Because we've heard the social commentary before. Yeah. Not not to say his name thing. I think that is I think that made, powerful. That was appropriate yeah. and made total sense. Yeah. I thought yeah, it was exactly. a good way to use. But again, I feel like because this movie was filmed in 2020, there wasn't a resolution yeah. to that case at the time. Now, you know, there has been a resolution. Yeah. I mean, it's not still not great anytime anyone's yeah. dead at the hands of violence. Um it's never great, but you know, at least there was you know, some kind of action being taken. But yeah, if it was filmed before that, I can imagine, like, maybe the headspace was different, if that makes sense. I don't know. Yeah, it does. It does. I like that idea. I I like that you brought that to the table, because I think it does make more sense when you think about it that way. I do have one plot hole, um, and it's, it's not really a plot hole, but more of a question I want to know why was Burke's sister so ruthlessly killed while Brianna was spared? Like, uh, I Brianna think it's because Anthony man, protected her. Was the candy man? Okay. So I will say uh, real quick. So my pros. and um, So this is a visually powerful film. I do love yeah. that. The acting's pretty good all around. Um, I do, I honestly do feel like they shortchanged Anthony a little bit while writing Yeah. Um, but I still, I still really like pretty much all the characters in the movie. I thought the actors did a good job. I like Brianna. She was a strong character. Um, there was a 
great thought-provoking score. I love they kept the love story at the center, um, which is very much like the original, um, which does give a heart to the film. I like that it had a beating heart in it. And I do also like it, and I did take this from Jordan Peele, which was the original was supposed to be a fear of the black space, while this one is a fear of the white space. Um, mm -hmm. And I do like that they kind of led with that idea. So I do think this is a, a very fine balancing act, and sometimes one scale got tipped a little more than the other scale. That's how I yeah. overall felt about this one. Yeah. So, but I, I, I'm, I want to go back and see Nia DaCosta's first movie now, mm -hmm. um, which I had heard of, but I hadn't. I don't think I ever saw a trailer for. Her. I just heard like, oh, that's a good movie. Um, but I never saw a trailer for it, so I'm not really sure what it's about. Um, but yeah, I like her visual style, and I she seems to know what she wants, and she seems very sure of herself. And so, and she's like, she's like making history. She seems cool, and I'm glad we got to see this movie yeah. opening weekend. Of course, we mm -hmm. masked up, and we're both vaccinated, and we made Taylor sit next to the person. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's also yeah. vaccinated, so. But yes, he is. You know, it was not. The thing is, like, uh, Delta's getting worse, and I just want people to like get vaccinated and wear masks so like I can keep going and seeing movies in the theater. Because I'm, it's been nice to go see things in the theater again. But then I'm also like, eh. How about we also have to make this comment? So, despite pandemic, horror is booming, even at the box office. Still. Oh yeah, because you know, yeah. The 70s horror was great because there were so many fucking serial killers in America same, and Britain. Mm -hmm. And same thing now, like, with pandemics going, let's have horror movies. Because, you exactly. know, you can control the movie. You can't control the pandemic. So unless you get a vaccine exactly. and wear a mask, then you can help control it. Anyways, well, back to the movie. Yeah, did you have a Grindhouse rating? I'm wondering if me and you had the same Grindhouse rating for this one. Um, well, so I gave it a 7 out of 10 because okay. I think the visual style bumps it up from a 6 out of 10 because I really thought it was interesting. And I got very inspired. I've already started, like, sketching stuff for, like, this week's art because, like, I really like this movie. And I don't always feel inspired. Um, but my Grindhouse Girls rating is... Rated B for bee stings and broken mirrors. Oh, nice. Um, I also gave it a 7, uh, which was frustrating because this is like the fourth movie in a row I've given a 7 to. Um, we but, need some uh, Maybe that'll change. May maybe that will change uh, for next week's movie. Um, I actually rated it S, which is uh, sweets for the sweet. Um, oh, Which yeah. is something. Yeah, that's, that's, that's in the book. In film's in all the films, yes. And it's a quote from Shakespeare. Yes. It's Hamlet, so yeah. So I was like, oh, we're theater majors. I have to go with that one, so. It's very cute. Um, anyways, is there anything else we want to talk about when it comes to old or new Candyman? I think we're good. I think we did a lot of covering. I mean, there's always more things we could talk about, but I think, I think we... We got all of our bases covered pretty much. So <laughs> I agree. Um, so next yeah. week, um, I know we just did uh, a Japanese movie, <laughs> but there's a movie that uh, we, we were kind of talking about a couple of different movies, but this is one that Britt hasn't seen in a very long time and I've never seen, but um, I've always been interested in and it just recently came 
on Amazon Prime. Um, and it is a movie based on a manga called uh, Uzumaki. And um, by Ito, Junji, Junji Ito. Ito um, which my brother has recommended the manga and I have not read it yet. But it looks really cool. I've seen a lot of the artwork from it. It looks cool. And it's called Spiral or Uzumaki. And I've honestly kept myself in, a, in the dark about the plot. But I've heard it's very trippy and very creepy and very disturbing. And it's called Spiral and it is on Amazon Prime. What would you say? Because you have seen it before. Have you read the manga? I have, yeah. It's been literal years. But I felt like from what I remember, the movie followed the manga pretty closely. I can tell you this. Uh, my doodles... Uh, no lie, Taylor can tell you this too. Ever since I was a kid, because of this movie, my doodles are usually spirals. I draw mm-hmm. spirals and I draw ghosties when I'm doodling. So, basically, I'm not heart. It says somebody <laughs> becomes obsessed with snails. Oh, that is just the tip of the ice. And it spirals, <laughs> and then they start seeing spirals everywhere. Oh, and yes. It gets crazy. It and. does. It gets off the walls bonker. Um, there's a lot of bar- body horror in this one, which is why yeah. I think you're going to like it. Also, yeah. like, it looks just visually very interesting. I think it, look, it looks off. visually cool, you know. Yeah. We've had some strong visual movies the last few weeks. Because even, like, um, what movie did we, like, Lords of Salem and First love were both like visually interesting and this movie candy man was very visually interesting so you're yeah, just going down that going down that route um but yeah so yeah. that's what we're gonna watch next week and then Woo. Britt has a pick and then we'll have two more picks and then we'll start spooptober so yes um, get ready for spooky season um thanks for listening Make sure you get your vaccine. Make sure you wear a mask because Delta is on the Delta. Um, I don't know. And um, be careful because a lot of people have gone through hurricanes. I know personally, I know at least a couple people who had to leave um, New Orleans and leave their homes. And New Orleans may not get power for like a month. I'm hoping that it's just an overestimation and people get their power back much sooner but unfortunately this was also around the same time of year that Katrina happened so it's just a really shitty time of the year for hurricanes in the Gulf and we're in the south so we got a lot of rain and um, there were some tornadoes in weird parts of the country that don't usually get tornadoes but We mostly just got rain. It didn't even really flood in our area, which we were very lucky because I was totally prepared to have my house flooded again. I had the puppy pads out and everything. So if you have been affected, just know we're thinking about you and we love you. And I just want to give a shout out to our listeners and likers and subscribers. We've got a lot more feedback from people and it's great. And we've actually gotten to meet some listeners that have been listening for a while so you know who you are thanks for listening guys and um just be safe out there uh take your vitamins and um yeah wear a mask get your vaccinations yeah take care of yourself yes oh yeah take care of yourself take care of each other 
Um, as a general reminder, guys, if you haven't already, uh, this is a reminder. Drink some water. Uh, stay hydrated. It's very, very important um, this time of year. Um, if you are in your 30s, please remember to moisturize. I'm starting to get crow's feet, and I sometimes need that reminder myself to lotion Every up. Um, Every morning. Unless you like your crow's feet. If you do, that's fine. You should love yourself. Laugh lines so, are adorable. Uh, I like little crinkles next to people's eyes. I think it's adorable. I like it on other people. <laughs> Try to think. Uh, eat some fruits. Eat some vegetables. I'm fighting with my 14-year-old nephew to eat more vegetables. But it's important to take care of your mental health. It's also important to take mm-hmm. care of your physical health. Now, not everyone just wants to go exercise. I'm really bad about exercising. But, guys, do something for yourself today that your yeah. future self will thank you for. Um, and, you know, guys, uh, we also want to say thank you again for spending such a small part of your day with us. Yes. If you're on your way to work, I hope you have a great day. If you're on your way home, you did it. You made it for another day. Um, but thank you for listening. Yay. And as Congrats. always, thank you for liking, commenting, subscribing, uh, telling people about us. We appreciate you. We love you. Um, and as always, we just look forward to seeing you um, same time, same spoopy channel. Stay spoopy, y'all. Stay spoopy, y'all. Have a good night. Rest well. Bye. Night. Bye, Katie. Bye, Britt. Good night, guys. Or good day. Whatever. Bye-bye. Or good morning. Yeah. (laughs) Hello. The Grindhouse Girls podcast is a production by Katie Dale and Brittany Ray and edited by Katie Dale. All music used is royalty-free and will be in our annotations. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, please contact us at contact us at grindhousegirlspod.com or visit our website at grindhousegirlspod.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon.